Well, good morning, everyone. Um, and uh, yeah, as Jack said, my name is Dave Wright. I lead our leadership team uh, here at Three Counties Church, and it's it's good to be back to you. And it's it's wonderful actually to be broadcasting from our Hammer uh, Church building uh, this morning. Um, so this is part two of my talk on persistence in prayer, looking at the last section of James chapter five. And as Jack mentioned, it wasn't intended to be a two-part series. Uh, if you joined two weeks ago, you heard me outline that there were five points, and then I kind of did one and a half points. Um, and contrary to popular rumor, it wasn't my wife who was hosting that Sunday who cut me off. Um, it was my own editing error that, um, that, that caused, uh, well, it saved you from a 25-minute talk and I made it a 10-minute talk instead. So uh, this morning, um, what I'm going to do is just briefly cover the uh, first two points and then continue through the next three and into the application. And the background is that we're finishing our series on the book of James. Um, And over the course of his relatively short letter, James has covered a lot of practical topics like stress, temptation, uh, words, wisdom, wealth, and trials and uh, at the end of his, his letter, he now turns to prayer. And as we noted a couple of weeks ago, uh, prayer isn't just us passing our requests to God like a celestial slot machine. It's a two-way conversation. It's the lifeblood of a real relationship with God. And in this short final passage of his book, James identifies five situations we'll face and how we can respond to them. Let me remind you of them. So the first is our response to trouble, and that is to pray. The second is our response to happiness, and that's to to praise another form of prayer. The third is our response to sickness, which is prayer involving the church leaders and perhaps some oil. The fourth is response to sin, which is confession, uh, which is also prayer. And the fifth is response to someone straying, to wandering away from from God, and that is pursuing grace, and I would suggest prayer as well. So the first one, response to trouble. James says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. And on this, I'll just reiterate that trouble will come. Sadly, none of us get to have trouble-free lives. In fact, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. And can I encourage you, if you have troubles, to pray. Pray on your own, pray with others, ask someone that you know and trust who loves Jesus to pray with you. If you need someone to pray with you but you don't have anyone to ask, email us at the office uh, at the Three Counties Church. We would love uh, to find somebody to pray with you, either virtually or, or uh, face-to-face if possible. The second uh, thing is response to happiness. James says, if anyone is happy, let them sing songs of praise. And singing is such a great way to connect with God on an emotional level. It's a natural outlet for joy, isn't it? But it doesn't have to be singing. Um, We can praise God with spoken word, with dance, with art and craft and with work. But most importantly, we praise God with our heart. Jesus said to the woman at the well, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. Our praise and worship should be honest. It should be in truth, and it should be from the Spirit. It should be from the very core of our being. 
And you may have noticed this is a form of prayer as well. When we've trouble, we pray, but when we're happy, we can pray through songs of, of praise in a way that it, uh, expresses joy. So Jim says, if you're happy, sing songs of praise. The third one is the response to sickness. Jim says, is any among you ill? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And if they've sinned, they will be forgiven. Our response to sickness is to bring it to God. We don't do it by ourselves. We do it in community. James says, call the elders of the church, those with authority. So in our our context at Three Counties Church, it's the leadership team or those to whom the leadership team have given authority, like our healing team, the folks that do healing on uh, on the streets or, or the leaders of our small groups and ministries. And we see elsewhere in scripture that it doesn't matter so much who is doing the praying. One of the most dramatic healings in our church was of a lady in a wheelchair many years ago. And the Lord prompted one of the people in the meeting, this lady was actually leading the meeting, um, and the Lord prompted this this person who wasn't a church leader to pray for her. And this person went to one of our church leaders at the time, uh, which was the right thing to do, but he said, it's not for me to pray, the Lord has prompted you, so you do it. So this individual who I think was reasonably new to the church and new to faith, uh, prayed uh, for the lady who'd entered our building in a wheelchair And she was immediately and wonderfully healed. And she left walking, and not only walking, I believe, but carrying her wheelchair as well. It was a dramatic healing. The lady was called Jennifer Rees Larkham. And you can read her story in in her book or on the web. It's it's well documented. So God does uh, heal physical sickness. But it's interesting. The words in this passage can equally, uh, used for sickness, can also mean weariness. Especially in verse 15, uh, the word kamno in Greek can mean physical or often mental weariness. And isn't it amazing? Nearly 2,000 years ago, James was recognizing that mental illness was important, that needed to be dealt with, needed to be treated like real sickness. And today we need to be honest about mental health. We need to take it seriously. We need to uh, address it in community together as family. And we need to pray for it like any other sickness. James says the elders will anoint them with oil. And oil was thought to have medicinal value in the ancient world. So James may have been encouraging the uh, church leaders to combine prayer with appropriate medical procedures. And that's wonderful. I I fully agree with that. But actually in the Old Testament, anointing with oil more often symbolized setting someone apart for the Lord. So King David, if you remember, Samuel came and anointed King, uh, the, the, the young David uh, to be king in the future. And priests were anointed, set uh, aside for the Lord, anointed with oil. So perhaps anointing with oil uh, it was a way of assuring the sick person that they are being brought before the Lord. And James says the, uh, the, the prayer offered in faith will, uh, will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. 
And this morning, I don't have time to go into a huge amount of detail on the theology of healing or answered prayer, but let me make four very brief comments. First, don't worry about not having enough faith. Jesus said you only need faith as small as a mustard seed to move a mountain. So it's not the quantity of faith that's the issue. It's who your faith is in. Marks, who founded healing on the streets, um, always just says to pray your best prayer. That's all you need. Second, have confidence. God loves to heal. That's normal. That's, That's what he just loves to do. Third, be honest about what's really happening. We don't want to pretend there's healing when there really isn't. That's not spirituality. That's being fake. Mark, Mark's always says, test it out. You know, whatever you couldn't do before, see if you can do it. Test it out. Go to a doctor. Get it checked out. And the fourth thing is this. Don't be discouraged if you don't see the answer to your prayer straight away. Jesus taught us to be persistent in prayer. And James uses the example of Elijah who prayed seven times before he saw the smallest sign that rain was coming. Seven times, not just once or twice or three times, he kept going. And in fact, that was at the end of three years of doubt, uh, drought. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that over those three years, there were other times that Elijah had prayed for rain, but hadn't seen the answer straight away. So keep going. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Remember that the goal of our prayers is not to get our will done by heaven, but to get heaven's will done on earth. And Jesus' specific heartfelt prayer of faith to take this cup from me was not answered with a yes. So our response to sickness is to pray for healing. The fourth thing is our response to sin, confession. When we sin, and what, what do I mean by that? Well, it's when we fall short of God's standards. I don't know about you, but I often fall short of my own standards, never mind God's standards and his character and his nature. And James says, when we do that, we confess our sins to each other and pray for each other. Because sin isn't just a private matter. And James doesn't say to confess our sins to the priests or to the elders. He simply says to confess to each other. And I would suggest that's primarily to anyone your sin has hurt. Jesus indicates this in Matthew 5, verses 23, 24. Feel free to look that up later if you wish. But also perhaps to trusted people in your church family. And if you don't have people um, in your life that you can pray with and confess your sins to, I encourage you to seek to build those relationships. Part of our vision here at Three Counties Church is to, be, uh, is to build, to develop authentic relationships. And I really want us to be a community where we can confess our sins to each other, safely knowing that we're loved and accepted no matter what. And we can pray for one another. And the final part of this verse says our prayers will be effective. And finally, our response to someone straying. And that is, pursuing grace and prayer. James says, if someone wanders from the truth, what should we do? If they wander away from Jesus, if they leave the church, what should we do? Should we get frustrated and angry? Should we cut them off? Should we just forget about them and move on? No. My dear friends, I'm reading from the message version of uh, verse 19 and 20. My dear friends, if you know people who've wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. 
Go after them. Get them back and you will have rescued precious lives from destruction and prevented an epidemic of wandering from God. We should look out for that person. We should pray for them. We should seek to bring them back to Jesus. Their life is precious. So how do we do this all? How do we pray and praise and pray for healing and confess and pursue people who've wandered from Jesus? Let me very briefly offer seven pointers. First, focus on God. It sounds obvious, but sometimes we can focus on the method or the context and neither are really that important. Real prayer is God-focused. It brings the situation before him. Second, do it first. Uh, When you're in love, If something amazing happens, you just want to tell the person you're in love with. Or if something terrible happens, they're the first person you call to tell them about it. You know, God doesn't want to be your very last resort. You know, you try everything else. And, you know, if if nothing's working, eventually you just go to God. Let's bring things to him first. Let's keep short accounts with him. Confess our sins daily. Bring our thanks and praises daily. Bring our requests daily. Third, don't worry about the words. When Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, he said, and when you pray, don't keep babbling on like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. That's Matthew 6, verse 7. It's not about the volume of words in prayer or even using the right words. It's about having the right heart of humility and submission to God. Jesus continued in verse 8, don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus knows your trouble already. He just wants to hear your heart. Fourth, pray in your own. It's important to have that connection with God one-to-one. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. It's Matthew 6, verse 6. Rob uh, Thrower, in his meditation uh, three or four weeks ago, uh, talked about going for an early morning walk and talk with God. And I do that too. You'll often find me at 6.30 or 7 or 7.30 in the morning up in Lynchmere Common, wandering about and just chatting with God. Friends need one-on-one time. But also pray with others. That's number five. Your relationship with Jesus is personal but not private. Um, So pray maybe face-to-face, appropriately socially distanced if needed. Pray on a Zoom call. Pray uh, on a phone call. Um, Feel free to join our 7 a.m. prayer meetings uh, on Zoom. You can sign up for those in church suite. Um, Don't let our current restrictions stop you from praying with others. Six, listen as well as speak. Prayer, as I've said at the beginning, isn't just one way. After you've presented your request to God, after you've poured out your heart, after you've sung for joy, just maybe stop for a moment. Open your ears. Perhaps God is whispering something. Open the Bible. Perhaps he's going to speak to you through his word. Just slow down a bit and wait on him. And the final thing, seven, is keep going. Jesus talked a lot about persistence in prayer. 
Do you remember the story about the guy banging on his neighbor's door uh, late at night, asking for some bread? He'd had some visitors come, and he had nothing in, this, in his cupboard, and knocking on his neighbor's door. His neighbor had gone to bed. The kids were tucked up, didn't want to move. But the guy kept on knocking, kept persisting, and eventually that neighbor got out and lent him some bread. And uh, before Jesus told that parable in Luke uh, verse 18, sorry, chapter 18, verse 1, uh, Luke says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So persevere, keep it going. I believe actually in this season, God is calling us into a deeper knowledge of him and relationship with him. And this isn't a guilt thing, so don't get me wrong. I'm not just trying to say, hey, come on, everyone, pray more. We don't pray enough. But I really believe Jesus has more for us as a church family and as individuals, more of that life to the full that he's promised. We had a day of prayer and fasting a couple of weeks ago. And I'm going to do this again this coming week from Thursday evening to Friday evening. And I'd like to invite you to join me. And uh, if you're able to make it at 7 a.m. on the Friday morning, join us for the prayer meeting uh, on Zoom. Again, details are on Church Street. It would be wonderful if you could join. And we want to continue to pray for this pandemic to end. We want to pray for everyone impacted by it. We want to pray for wisdom for our leaders and our nation. And we want to pray for our church here at Three Counties um, We want to pray for the associate leader role that we're recruiting for, as well as the youth leader role. And we've had a bunch of wonderful applications for the youth leader role. We're really excited about it. Do pray for wisdom as the the team take that forward uh, and select uh, somebody for that role. Pray for the right selection uh, and that, you know, everyone, that there will be people, I'm sure, who will be disappointed. But let's just pray that God leads each person uh, to the future he has for them. Uh, in that. And let's pray for the many situations across our church family who need God to intervene in their lives and situation. And then we want to pray just that God would move, that he would move in us, that he would shape us and form us more and more in his image, and pray for those around us who don't know Jesus, that they would see him, fall in love with him, and start following him. So we're going to spend our our summer time, our all-age services, looking at prayer in more depth and using the model Pete Gregg outlines in his book, How to Pray. And then next term, I want to press into spiritual formation. And what do I mean by that? Well, we're all being formed all the time. We're being influenced by our culture. Those around us are forming us and influencing us. We're continually learning, which is wonderful. But as practitioners of the way of Jesus... We need to make sure that overall we're being formed, shaped, influenced by him. And I want us to look into some of the practices that Jesus put in in his life and taught his disciples to to do um, so that we are influenced and formed by him and his principles and values. So we're going to do that uh, next term. I'd like us just to pray. Maybe if you don't know Jesus, but perhaps just as I've been speaking, you think there's something there. You, You want more of this Jesus. Maybe you could pray this with me. Or if you've been far from Jesus, why don't you pray this with me? Jesus, thank you that you've come to bring life and life to the full. And I want to 
take that life. I want to confess that I, I don't live up to my own standards, never mind living up to yours. Would you forgive me? And I choose to follow you and learn from you and live in your love. Why don't we just all pray? Lord Jesus, we know that you continue to call us deeper, deeper into you. And I just pray that all of us would have hearts and souls that are open and hungry for all you have for us. Would you lead us as individuals deeper in our faith? Would you lead us into service of you wherever you would have us serve? Would you continue to to bless us and provide for us? And Father, would we be able to see the impact on our communities? We want to see your love and justice flourish in our community. And we also want to see people come to know you in a real and living way. We ask all that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.